if <laughs> you were gonna have sex with a car, what kind of car would you have sex with? Um, I want you to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gabe. And I'm Kat. And we're the ghouls next door. Next door. Talking about spooky stuff. Yes, we do. Yes. And we are the media literacy show from a horror lens where we explore the real life, historical, and outside happening right now, uh, inspirations behind our cinematic fears, and we're closing out our F the Patriarchy series. With a very wild film that was very good. Mm -hmm. Which... I think it's such a great idea for like, it wasn't intentional because we had no idea what this film was about. And anytime we looked it up, we were still very confused. And um, <laughs> like, I think I, I read the synopsis and I still didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> like I read I, like, the entire thing. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, like, wait. Uh, so I just found it. It was like, this is a, you know, film and, about gender identity to some degree and I was like perfect it fits um and I literally pitched it to Kat as um in this film a woman is impregnated by a car and that's all I knew about it and that it got like a lot of it got like a standing ovation and like that a lot of film festivals were loving it and people were really excited and so and it's by Julia Ducanot so I was like okay this is really cool we had no idea what it was going to be and I think uh, it just happens that it's such a great film to end our F the Patriarchy series because it really kind of dismantles a lot of that, like just of how we understand and the onus we put on gender and that identity and being and human evolution. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack that I will be unpacking in this. Yeah, it does so very intensely, but beautifully, yet also scarily. It manages to be all of the things uh while yeah. also just being really entertaining as a film mm -hmm. and very unique um i'd say it's yeah it's one of the <laughs> i've never seen a film that was like this i can say that with 100 certainty in my entire life i have never seen a film that was this film uh, I, or I, close I, to this film yeah, like I didn't know what was going to happen and at times didn't even know what was happening actively um, mm -hmm. to the point where, uh, so an exciting thing that we did for this film was um, we invited our friend Jeff over to watch it with us. Um, mm -hmm. So usually Kat and I watch it separately, but we like message each other. Um, but I had actually seen Raw, which is Julia Ducanot's, um other f horror film. It's like cannibal teenage coming of age film and uh i watched that with him and uh they like loved it and i, I remember we just kind of bonded over that and we've always bonded over our love for for horror so i was like guess what they have another film so why don't we all watch it together and i think watching it as a community made it even better being able to like watch it so we can all react and just be like what mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of work through our thoughts and feelings as it was going um yeah. it really made it nice um and then we immediately uh opened up the internet to get some other voices in there because we were like I know that I just saw a lot. I know that there was a lot. Yeah. I know you're trying to tell me something, but what was it? Uh, and luckily there are other people who've gathered their thoughts before us. Uh, who really yeah. That. Yeah. Well, because there's this, this level of shock value that's there that if, if you get stuck on that, it's, it's hard to fully grasp every little piece. Like it's honestly a film I wish we watched more than once, but mm -hmm. time. Um, but I feel like if we watched it more than once, as wild as it was, we, the shock value would have worn off a little bit. We might've like noticed some more stuff. So maybe in the future, but it was, once you get past the shock value, the internet helped in organizing. <laughs> <laughs> the emotions you feel afterwards and you're like oh yeah no 100% it was that but it took yeah. you a minute to get there absolutely and this is a film that I do feel like 
I have every intention of like sharing with others. Like I am going to, you know, I was like, I think my partner would like this film. It's, it has its gore. Definitely has a lot of gore. It had a lot of uncomfortable moments, a lot of body horror. Um, but at the core, it's such an interesting film that I feel like most people can definitely get through. Like you could definitely close your eyes to get through that just to get to the more intimate and powerful parts of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, And I also think it's really amazing for Julia de Carneau to be like kind of in this horror genre, like as a director and not shy away from gore, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and make you uncomfortable. Like Raw is 100% that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really nice, like up against like other horror directors that are female or um, femme presenting like that usually are more psychological or like they don't really care for it. But (laughs) she's like, nah, this is it. This is the point. Mm And I think that's really exciting. Yeah, it's a fantastic, scary, gory, messy film, but also very smart in all of what I was doing. Well, I would argue that life is, you know, gory and messy and fantastical, all those things you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I say. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about Titan, uh, or if you're American, Tatane. Uh, <laughs> uh, Titan. So that's what I'll be calling it, but because <laughs> I'm snooty. No, um, because that's what it's called, period. Um, so yeah. Titan is from 2021 and is about following a series of unexplained crimes. A father is reunited with a son who has been missing for 10 years. It's directed by Julia Ducourneau. And that is such a wild synopsis for what this film is. It seems so unrelated when you first yeah yeah because the first like 20 minutes you're not even in that storyline you don't know this father <laughs> yeah unexplained crimes they're explained right there the yeah, yeah, you know who did it yeah. <laughs> so um i want to start by saying that this film uh today is about sexy cars and wild rides but at the heart it's about family and no i'm not talking about the fast and furious franchise <laughs> <laughs> I was like it's about family there's lots about sexy cars like what um Titan <laughs> follows Alexia and Adrian at times as they find themselves uh this journey and transformation inspires the next step in human evolution combats patriarchal gender gender norms and highlights the importance of found family we are introduced to Alexia when they are young riding in the backseat of the car they hum along to the sounds of the roaring engine and their father is obviously annoyed and um turns up the music louder to drown them out this makes alexia mad they kick a chair then they unbuckle their seatbelt and they go to move around resulting in their father taking their eyes off the road and causing an accident um which is really succinct (laughs) the accident it's like instant it's not um hereditary (laughs) like we're not having like trauma already it's just like oh that just happens sometimes like your kids act up you lose sense of the road this thing happens. Luckily, they're alive. Um, Alexia yeah. is then seen with a titanium plate in their head and a brace. And this marriage between metal and their physical body is really important to the whole theme of the film. Um, mm-hmm. And they already seemed to have some connection to cars, giving like they're humming along to the engine. Um, mm-hmm. But it's made stronger when they have metal in their body. Um when Alexia leaves the hospital after this, um, they're immediately like they go up to the car, stroke it really affectionately, like hug it. And there's like yeah. you wouldn't expect that for someone who was just like hurt in a car. Um, and so it's definitely like it's not the car's fault. We still appreciate yeah. it. We have this connection to it in a more like and it's more affection that they're giving this car than they were giving the supposed parents that this mm-hmm. has. Um they're uncaring they don't look so they hug a car instead um then Mm -hmm. we flash forward alexia works as a dancer at a car show i'm not entirely sure what the it seems more of a dance situation than a car situation um and in a video there's a discussion that like the cars are there so that uh or the girls dancing are there so that men can fetishize cars <laughs> in a way yeah. that's socially acceptable when really at the heart of it is that they're really digging these cars yeah. and they can explain that so they put ladies on it um yeah. now they can ogle it without they also, want to hug kiss the car. <laughs> they also want to hug kiss cars um yeah. 
<laughs> and so uh, they dance seductively on top of beautiful detailed cars for a crowd of men. Their car specifically is like flames uh, and their outfit really mirrors that. They're wearing like this flashy gold and um, there is much um, put on display as these cars are. And mm -hmm. uh, these men think that they have some ownership over the performers. Um, isn't that the way that it always is? And one man even follows Alexia out after the show is over. And this man throws himself onto Alexia. It's really uncomfortable. Um, and by their reactions, it seems to be something that happens often or something that was more or less expected, um, mm -hmm. even though it's like really awful. Um, it seems yeah. like from the man's perspective that he thinks he's deserving of whatever's happening. And Alexia is like, I knew that was going to come up. Alexia in vicious self-defense murders this man by way of chopstick or whatever hair thing to the ear. And um, it's really gross. It's uh, a lot of foaming at the mouth, a lot of squirming um, for him. But they seem pretty much unaffected. They're like, oh, yeah, they're like another pretty chill <laughs> another about murder. the murder. Yeah, and definitely yeah. it was like there's no way they didn't do this before yeah it definitely seemed like it was very skilled like to know how much force mm -hmm. goes into having to stick that through someone's ear anyway mm -hmm. um this adrenaline rush leads alexia back into the car show arena area and they then have sex with a car and mm -hmm. it's a peculiar scene but there is no question about what's happening like the car yeah. like if it's a if it's a rockin', you don't come knocking and it was rocking and they were yeah. it was like it was such an interesting scene there's also like some kind of like little hints at like fetish fetishes because there's a bit of bondage that's happening where they're like they've wrapped their hands in the seat belts and mm -hmm. um later they find like welts and stuff i made a joke about cars not having aftercare and um <laughs> things like that but like that's kind of like a fetish thing too like in in symbolism right um then after this this uh, tour affair, uh, Alexia believes that they are pregnant. They yeah. immediately take a test. I guess you know time has happened, so they're now pregnant with a car, uh, a baby, a monster, a ghost, something. Uh, yeah. And while exploring their sexuality further, they end up on a bit of a, a killing spree. Um, it's really comical and odd. Uh, like most of this film, but it serves to paint like this soulless, careless and monstrous Alexia because um, they're, you know, connecting with uh, a woman who's also a dancer who actually played by the same actress from Raw and um, is more fascinated with her body jewelry than her, um, mm -hmm. her body. And then um, I, I, we don't really know exactly why other than like, Alexia just doesn't care about humans, um, <laughs> but she just starts killing people. And it's it's actually pretty funny um, because it's just like, why? who are you now? Why are there so many people in this house? And everyone's naked. Yeah. And I was like, Maybe that's just France. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I've never been. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that's just how they are. Uh, but she just like, she got to clear, you know, it's like, you got to clean it up. So <laughs> it was like the lady who swallowed the fly and then she eats the spider. Like it was like that, but with murder. Yeah. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so then desperate after the murders that seem to keep piling up, they kill their parents and then they run away, which was very shocking. But you were like, okay, now what? Um, and while they're on the run, they see that they're wanted um their faces out there and uh so in seeking to change their appearance they assume the identity of a missing boy these are posters that we've seen um and they go close enough and <laughs> decide to mutilate their body in a way to replicate this image of what the boy might look like now um this choice leads to alexia to become adrian the son of vincent an overly masculine empty shell of a man who has been seeking something to fill the void his son's disappearance left and over the rest of the film we watch as vincent embraces this obvious imposter understanding that this isn't adrian but they are still his son and alexia adrian become themselves exploring their identity and growing out of the isolated and broken life they've been forced to live with their real parents. With this newfound family, Adrian is given the space to evolve. As their stomach grows, their gender identity, humanity, and more force them and Vincent to confront their own biases and expectations. Um, and I think the biggest theme that we see in this film is this idea of like masculinity, femininity, humanity. 
Uh, it's more of this metamorphosis of gender identity that our protagonist goes through. And because like they are fluctuating, fluctuating between Alexia and Adrian, I kind of use that free flowing. Um, Alexia is their name. That's what they embrace in the end. But there's a lot of ex exploring of who they are. So in the beginning, Alexia is an incredibly sexualized femme body. Um, they appear yeah. to derive pleasure from the experience of dancing on that car. Um, there was happiness there. There was moments where it felt like it was them in that car, <laughs> kind of their own yeah. moment. They didn't care about other people. Uh -huh. um, and connecting and performing on top of this vehicle gives them a freedom that they're denied in other v venues. Um, however, they're not overly feminine. Uh, after the accident, her uh, their head is shaved for the plate, which gives them the look of um, a young boy, kind of like Eleven in Stranger Things. Um, uh -huh. In adulthood, they sport a mullet, and when they're not dancing scantily clad on cars, they wear gender-neutral clothing. Um, or yeah. just like, not, yeah, they're not like out there wearing like fancy dresses or anything that we would assume is uh, very feminine, but also nothing that's overtly m masculine either, right? Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> um, after their intimate act with the car, Alexia is pregnant and not wanting to share this information, they begin bonding their body to hide the growth. And binding is a process many with gender dysphoria may use to form their body into the shape they know their body should be. And throughout this film, there are many gender-specific actions that occur in contradictory ways to gender expectations. At one point, Vincent shaves Adrian's face, explaining that it'll help the hair grow. Um, it's this idea of trying to um, um, inspire the masculine on uh, a body that they know uh, isn't, right? Um, in a video that was very helpful to us uh, by the Oscar expert on YouTube titled What Tatane is Really About, Explained, They Explain, the Interesting Evolution of Alexia Adrian's Gender Ambiguity, saying, as she becomes more and more disconnected from who she is and experiences gender dysphoria, the feeling that her body does not match her gender identity, that is where the body horror genre comes into play. It expresses this disconnect from one's body and one's gender as a horrifying experience. She cannot control the changes her body is undergoing, even as her identi identity moves away from that. But it's not that Alexia wants to be a man necessarily. We see later when she's dancing on the fire truck how that feminine part of her still exists and that she wants Vincent and others to see it. Gender identity for her is often just this burden. The way others perceive her gender affects so much about the way she goes about the world and how she can be loved. Um, both Alexia and Vincent suffer from body dysmorphia and are in constant battles against society's expectations of them. There's a scene where Alexia is on a bus as Adrian, um, and they are mm -hmm. seated across the aisle from a woman. In the back, there's a group of boys who begin harassing the woman, and there's a discomfort on Adrian's face, but they don't intervene. Um, instead, they experience this for a moment of freedom of not being disrespected for existing because they are passing as male. Um, and so it's not so much that Alexia wants to be a male, uh, but does see the merit in not being a female to uh, the eyes of strangers. Um, yeah. For Vincent, he is someone who is at the mercy of masculinity. He uses steroids or um, some other drug that is very masculine, um, to push his body and transform it into a very masculine figure that he feels the need to be, um, to the point of hurting himself. He's bruised, uh, and he knocks himself out at one point. It's very, mm -hmm. um, clearly unwell. It's not well-intentioned the way that he is putting his body into this space. Um, and though he is almost always cast in this like purple pink light. Uh, he exudes a rugged male energy. Um, he is like the captain of the fire team. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> the fire squad. Firemans. Uh, he's like the head of that, which is like such a, you know, you're a lifesaver. You go, you fight fires, like get more masculine. Um, but he's also soft and kind. He dances and sings. Um, and he shows a lot of affection towards Adrian. Um, the obsession with muscle to the point of hurting himself is a symptom of gender dysmorphia as well. So in an article on them titled 
Tutane proves no one has a body. Author Sasha Geffen explains that the film goes farther than simply telling a trans story. We don't have one gender that is supposed to be another. Instead, there are no genders to be had at all. Uh, Decarno's imagery reframes tropes of transphobic cinema to il illuminate the monstrosity of all gendered bodies, cis or otherwise. She suggests that transness is not a contained error within an otherwise pristine system, but the key to understanding what it means to have a body in the first place. All humans twist disobedient flesh into communicative social forms. Everyone falls short of gender's fragile scaffolding in life, and everyone ultimately denatures into entropy through death. These failures and collapses don't indicate a deficiency in humanity. They are central to what it means to be human. In Titan, there is no such thing as a transgender body because there is no such thing as a cisgender body. Um, and for me, the messaging and approach feel like what Garland was possibly trying to convey in men, but failed drastically because they didn't understand that one point. Um, your body isn't wrong. It's the expectations we put upon them that is. Uh, the other part of this <laughs> film is uh, the story of found family. So the relationship between Vincent and a Alexia Adrian is really important. Alexia becoming Adrian and thus finding themselves as well as their ability to be loved allows them to become more human. In their life before, you can see the uncaring nature of their biological father. He's always annoyed at them in the opening scenes, and later he refuses to look at them or acknowledge their existence. He's mechanical and muted in his interactions with them. Their mother is forgettable, a specter. Uh, and when Alexia first becomes Adrian, Vincent looks at them and sees them. He continues to do this throughout and is set on having Adrian understand that they will be loved no matter who they truly are. Um, because it's of my opinion that he knew all the time. <laughs> like from yeah. the he knew it was not Adrian. Um, yeah, that's why he didn't want the DNA test. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was like I need somebody, and this person clearly needs somebody. I think mm -hmm. he saw a, a mutual thing there. Uh, later in a scene where Alexia is affirming their identity, they're dancing atop a fire truck while presenting as Adrian. It's a confusing moment for the firemen who believe Adrian to be male and see them dance in this feminine way um, that they had at the car show it really confuses them. <laughs> Some of them mm -hmm. are questioning their own sexual identity, um, <laughs> but others are like, no. Um, but specifically for Vincent, it's a particularly challenging scene that forces him to reconcile with this new Adrian. In that same video, um, the Oscar expert, they explain, and the challenge for him is that in order to give that love, he needs to surrender all expectations that he has for his son. He needs to see them through all the constructs and social categories that he has brought into his whole life. He can't project any desires or expectations that he has onto her. This resembles in many ways a coming out tale. And by releasing those expectations, he is then allowed to love them and completely and to a further extent, love himself. Um, if he can love a son who contradicts societal masculinity, then could he love himself for who he is and no longer need to push his body past its limits for validations he's put upon himself? Um, mm -hmm. It's like a, a mirror. It's <laughs> like, if I can yeah. love you for you, I can probably love me for me. Um, there's also this big, and my final point for this is acceptance and human evolution, um, which seems to be a big uh, theme in the film. So as incredibly interesting and unique this film is in, his, in its entirety, the most impactful piece of this film is the ending. Um, so spoiler alert, even though it's like... <laughs> No, because I told you. Um, Alexia gives birth to a child. And I use Alexia because in the midst of giving birth that Vincent uh, is forced to contend with this person, Alexia truly is. His son is on his bed on all fours, clearly mid-labor. And he makes the leave but stops when asked for help. Vincent weighs this reality, leave and remember his son as he has, return to him a bit changed but his son nonetheless, or stay and accept the being that isn't his lost son, but instead a son he found and needed. Um, and choosing to stay, he agrees to help. This is when they tell him their real name, Alexia, to which he reaffirms it. Um, there's no like, no, you're Adrian. It was like, Okay, Alexia. Um, and while they push forth this new creature, Vincent comforts them and says, I'm here. I'm here. Um, 
Alexia ultimately gives birth to their child. And in this act, they've sacrificed their own life and die in the process, which is a lot to unpack and talk about in this state of the world. But that's Mm -hmm. several episodes we've done so far. So I don't feel like talking about it. don't want to talk about it but in this other way um they've shed this current skin and allowed for the next step in human evolution and in their final moments they were allowed to be and accepted as their true form of alexia vincent now has this new child to care for and one that is unique the child has inherited their parents titanium plate and exhibits other car features Mm -hmm. it's it's not just a people (laughs) it's not a regular person um and we've discussed in the past the digital apocalypse on our show and the understanding we walked away with was that the world won't end with the digital apocalypse but it certainly will change and is already actively happening uh the next logical Mm -hmm. step in human evolution is only possible with a blend of technology this can take many forms from physical such as implants and prosthetics to the more abstract such as our reliance on technology in the effortless blend of technology in our lives humans yeah. are in the midst of that evolution and so this idea of our next series of humans being techs makes sense further than the technological evolution is the film's movement from and shedding of gender norms as a society we're becoming more understanding of the limitations our gender constructs have put upon us we are deconstructing our own understanding of self identity and being and with it we have an evolution of the body and mind as expressed in this film furthermore to have this evolution occur with body mind and spirit is powerful in the end we're left with a physical anomaly born of a finally accepted person who learned to love and be loved we expect vincent to go on loving and caring for this child who will undoubtedly cross more lines than gender with its newness and in the end titan is a story about our evolution and acceptance loving ourselves and others and allowing or accepting that change is coming and decarno said in an interview about titan The idea was to create a new humanity that is strong because it's monstrous and not the other way around. Monstrosity for me is always positive. The end. No. (laughs) (laughs) Show over. I did it all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That video we ended up watching was like really great because it honestly made so much of the film make so much more sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's like funny or I remember talking to you about it a little bit, but you forget that the beginning of the movie happened a little bit uh, by the time you get to the end, just because so much is taking place. Um, They're like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) There was murder? When did they murder people? They didn't murder. They've just been here the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You forget like sh- that they murder their parents? Like, because that happens so subtly. Like, you don't even know for sure, but it's like, they lock them in there, you know? Yeah. That seemed more opportunistic than intentional for me. Yeah. Um, in that, like, the fire seemed like an accident. And they were like, all right, well, I got to go well. anyway. So might as well not leave any loose ends. <laughs> yeah also they suck so and they didn't care about people so yeah yeah and it it was really powerful to see just like i the way that they vincent specifically like just loved them so much that Mm -hmm. like it didn't matter like he had to unpack so much of his own toxic masculinity but that the love was there and that through love found self-acceptance yeah but also, like, Alexis learned how to be, like, a person, like, to care and not just murder, mm-hmm. you know? Like, like oh, okay, like, people matter, too. And I wonder if, like, the reason why they just didn't care about humans, one is, like, they didn't really experience any good humans, um, but also if they do feel like they are different species in a way, then why would it, like, why would any other species care about people? Yeah. Because people, people don't care about other species. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's very interesting the way in which their entire story develops, but it was the, like, that's not supernatural. The mechanical element just added so many more layers to it that, as you said, we didn't get to like unpack it fully, but it was also just really interesting the way that that ended up intersecting with gender identity and how that like, 
even if they are considered like this evolution of humanity, at least their child. Um, but mm-hmm. the, like, it's just very interesting how it does intersect pretty naturally, honestly, with the way people demonize this non-patriarchal view of what gender is that like they see people as not human because they're like, you're not a girl or a boy. What? Yeah. And it's just like so you're patriarchal norms. It's not, you don't have to, it doesn't exist. Gender isn't real. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so important that it's not, I really appreciate that them article of saying like, it's, it's not really like a trans story because Alexia didn't want to be Adrian. They just were Adrian and that it's instead it's more about like, we we're just stuck in these bodies and we put all these rules and ideas and feelings into them and we don't have to, and we can be more accepting and like caring about people just existing as they are. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really great. Yeah. Like the journey of self-acceptance and also just like, I thought there was a lot to be said too about like the patriarchal hatred of just femininity in general Mm -hmm. and that part of what also could have influenced uh, Alexia's coldness was the fact that femininity in patriarchal norms is just so hated. And like, in that, like, you kind of have to make yourself cold to survive Mm -hmm. in a world that is so endlessly violent against you. Um, Or like, is so hate-filled against you that like the entire essence of toxic masculinity is that they just don't want to be feminine so bad. Yeah. The, the, the femininity is the worst thing wrong. you could ever be. Um, Cause it's wrong. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting the way in which like one, their journey kind of like highlights that in a way that I don't think I've seen other films do. And it was like in such a quick and subtle way as well. Um, just with that bus scene, like it, I thought it was really important that they included that. Um, mm-hmm. It's also interesting it's that, not... oh, good. No, you're good. That's um, <laughs> well, just saying like that Alexia is so cold and like standoffish and, and that's usually what we kind of partner with like masculine characters. And then you have Vincent who is really caring and emotional at times, which is like what we usually are expecting of feminine characters. And so it's interesting that they already kind of were switched. Like they're already outsiders um, in Mm -hmm. the, in trying to uh, mask and fit into what's uh, just use what they were given Mm -hmm. by society standards. Society's expectations, even if those expectations are not based in anything real. Mm -hmm. It's just just trash. Yeah, just garbage. (laughs) But it's fun. Um, I'll say words. Let's get into what we could classify as facts. I'm mostly talking about resources, as I have been for most of the series. Um, It is like fact adjacent in that these mm-hmm. resources are real and in fact it, in their existence exist as facts because they exist yeah um, and the facts that but, they are needed they mm-hmm. exist yeah no exactly um but uh as i said this film at first was like whoa this is a lot um but i think it was really important i know i kissed its butt a bunch already <laughs> and saying how much i loved it um But it was just so fascinating on, like, multiple levels, like, both on, like, a neurological standpoint of, like, neglect and how it influences the developing brain um, and how it shapes the developing brain and how interpersonal relationships in early childhood are so important because when you are growing up, you don't have an understanding of the world. And if your only understanding of the world is, like, unloving cold neglect it makes it very hard to develop interpersonal relationships that aren't that um Mm -hmm. so it's just really interesting like the way in which that was demonstrated throughout the film as well as just like the importance of interpersonal relationships and like love and care for humans as they're developing instead of like this you are wrong i wish you weren't here like there's so much Mm -hmm. damage that that does and I think if anything, like I'm now processing this, but that also that's like kind of like 
not an allegory, it's just what happens, uh, but like the way in which how important gender affirming care is in society, like when you are going through your identity search um, yeah. and that to not even acknowledge the difference in a sense, like to not even acknowledge that they're who they see themselves to be by yeah. just totally ignoring them altogether. Um, it kind of, it, you never see them because they haven't been that person that you imagine them to be. Um, yeah. That was really interesting. That literally just occurred to me right now. Um, mm. Uh, and there was like lots of things in this film that I related to, um, outside of like the serial murder and obsession with cars, uh, being a gender fluid human. There's definitely like things that like, I was like, whoa, yeah, no, that was a great way to show that. And I think that's part of why I loved it so much. Um, but the resources section for today, because of that, I kind of focused on a collection of LGBTQIA centered resources with some callbacks to resources found in our previous of the patriarchy episodes. There are some sprinkles of intersectional feminism in there as well. Um, and as I've said in previous episodes, if you know of any resources that you want me to add to these lists and share outs that we've been doing, um, send us an email at thegoolsnextdoor at gmail.com. Um, we do read them, I promise. Um, and mm -hmm. it's happened a few times where someone's like, has sent us a resource, not for these episodes or actually it's like our, uh, dementia episode that gets like a lot of traction in the mm -hmm. blogs. Uh, but we get a lot of emails being like, please include this resource. And we're like, heck yeah. We just got one for sexual or for relationship abuse. So, oh, great. Yeah, so that's great. So if you do think of any or you have one you use often or if anything you think would be helpful within this category of resource sharing, let us know. Um, so a lot of the resources that I'm going to talk about, I got from GLAD, which is uh, GLAD stands for Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. So it's yeah. uh, it's um, GLAD is about... Uh, Rewriting the script for LGBTQ acceptance uh, is in a dynamic media force and it tackles tough issues to shape the narrative and provoke dialogue that leads to cultural change. So they had a lot of resources on their website that ended up being in here. I kind of like worked them out so that you didn't have to go to a bunch of different links to find things. And instead you kind of had like a clear understanding of what was being shown. As we kind of said in our like vote, our abortion access resource share out. Uh, voting is something you can do uh, and tracking legislation is a part of that. There are a lot of uh, anti-LGBTQIA mm -hmm. legislation, anti-LGBTQ yeah. bills, anti-transgender legislation, school policy bills, youth healthcare bans, youth sports bans, um, et cetera, that are in process across the country. There's also pro-LGBTQ non-discrimination legislation that is in process. So the freedomforallamericans.org link links to all of those legislation and it kind of gives you a really easy way to search through what is being passed. So as we said in the previous episode, it's like you can slow the train by doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, the goal is to deconstruct it altogether but we can slow the train by fighting against these things, emailing our Congress people, protesting, being activists, et cetera. Like there are things you can do within that space. It's just ultimately so much can be done when it is within the system that already exists. I do recommend it though. It was really helpful in just kind of seeing what is happening right now. Um, and it outlines it by state. So you can see like, we live in Pennsylvania. So I can see that there are two bills in Pennsylvania specifically that are anti-transgender and ways that I can have like talking points to call local legislators and be like, Hey, let's not do this. Um, so mm -hmm. that was an interesting resource. Uh, they recommend checking out. Um, there's a bunch of other ones. Uh, they also, on the freedomforallamericans.org, they do have um, protections and non-discrimination protections that they want to make sure anyone who cares to uh, is able to secure these critical protections nationwide. And they kind of work to equip people with everything they need to know to be strong advocates. So there is a link for that as well, just their specific resource page 
Um, I also have the National Center for Transgender e Equality, which advocates to change policies in society to increase understanding and acceptance of transgender people. Um, they have resources as well on their website. There's specific legal resources. So there's the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Funds, which is committed to ending discrimination based upon gender identity and expression and to achieve equality for transgender people through public education, test case litigation, direct legal services, and public policy experts. They have resources on their website specifically if you're seeking legal services or protections, especially in laws that are, are states specifically that are under attack, legal resources will be very necessary and probably come in handy, especially if you're thinking of Texas. Um, and I mean, of the many states that are doing this, but Texas specifically that is pushing to have like parents who actually support their children with gender affirming care, have those children taken from them. So legal services and stuff like that's an important resource to have. Um, there's um, the Trans Agenda for Liberation. It's a community led guide towards a world we deserve. Um, there's the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, which also works to uh, offer like legal services for free to self-determine gender identity and expression, regardless of income and race, and without facing harassment, discrimination, or violence. Um, there's the Trans Women of Color Collective that centers on healing and restorative justice through development, empowerment, power, and most importantly, leading with love. Um, the National Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, which works with communities in the U.S. and across the globe to foster diversity, inclusion, and equality for all. Um, and there is the Vision for Latin, Trans Latin at Coalition, um, which is to amplify education and resources to promote the empowerment of trans leaders. Uh, it kind of continues on with this, uh, but then I specifically wanted to highlight resources for youth, preteens, Parents, caregivers, uh, the gender spectrum host online groups for preteens, teens, and parents and caregivers, um, as well as other family members. Uh, building community is really important when in situations like the world is now. So they do have like mm -hmm. online safe groups. So in the Panini Press, or if you are in states that might not have these things locally, there is an online community. Um, that you might be able to find acceptance in. Um, mm -hmm. There's also uh, in transequality.org, there's a section that kind of walks you through the one-stop hub for name and gender change information. So kind of mm -hmm. how to update your name and gender in, but on a like state and federal level, as well as like IDs and records. Um, they were really extensive on this. I was looking like it, they had both like, they had like within immigration papers, they had, kind of anything you could think of in terms of like identity and records, you were able to mm -hmm. walk you through that process. Um, there's also up-to-date uh, resources on transgender people's rights uh, on the Know Your Rights section on transequality.org, which with the possibility of police enforcement of these awful laws, um, mm -hmm. it is important to know your rights um, and like what you're able to, or what you're able to fight against in terms of like arrests, et cetera. Um, they also have a guide for getting your healthcare covered. Mm -hmm. Um, so each state is going to have, if you're on Medicaid specifically, we'll have different rules for what is covered and what is not, as well as each insurance plan has different rules for what's covered and what's not. So they kind of go through the process of finding out that information based on like what your healthcare might be. Um, what and, website? Oh, that's transequality.org, but healthcare coverage guide. Yeah, yeah, that's just a great website that it has oh, all sorry. of these resources. That's so cool. Like, I was like, what? no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, they had like so many. That's why, and but that's why I wanted to link like specifically to the sections because otherwise, I feel like whenever I go on websites, I get really overwhelmed by like all the mm -hmm. information. So sometimes I think it's like helpful to have like each thing, even if it repeats a bunch of times so that like you're able to find the specific page for yeah. where you're going. Um, we shared this in the last one. It was just a zine. It's called Trans Day of Resilience. And it's a thing that shares art and poetry. So like a more positive resource that's just like celebrating trans identity and art um, and they have ways that you can support them through donating, but they also like have the art and the zine and the poetry and everything on their website that you can download to read. Um, 
So I recommend supporting that. Um, there's also lots of organizations that just like support education and advocacy specifically for transgender youth fam and families. Um, there's also some workplace kind of support as well as uh, employment opportunities. So trans tech's mission uh, specifically to employ those facing barriers in education and in the workforce um, is transtechsocial.org. Um, they offer, it seems like there are careers specifically that they make sure um, are available. But uh, there's also, as I said, there's lots of websites that will go through legislation. Another one that I found is transathlete.com specifically and like looking at like bands within elementary school, college, sports. They even had links for like the Olympics. Um, so just like ways that you can kind of track what's happening nationwide to make sure that you're still able to fight these things and slow down the train. Um, but also mm -hmm. kind of just know what's happening um, because a lot of these horrible legislation pieces usually get snuck into other bills. It's just kind of good to know what happens. And then these people just like list it out for you. So you know exactly, even if it's not named in a way, even if it's named misleadingly, that it makes it sound like it's a positive thing you can actually see right away that it is anti-trans so you know which ones to fight against. Um, this last one that uh, it's not the last resource, but the last one in this little cluster, um, I thought it was very important. It's called trans doe task force. And they specifically find and research cases of LGBTQIS plus missing and murdered persons, especially focusing on unidentified individuals who might be, might've been transgender um, they advise and educate the public, media, and forensic professionals about the needs and differences between trans doe cases and other doe cases. Um, and they also assist law enforcement departments, medical examiners, and forensic anthropologists with getting their cases worked on by forensic genetic genealogists and has a trans-led forensic genetic genealogist team in-house. Uh, so that's transdotaskforce.org. Uh, it just seems like they were doing really important work. Uh, I've also linked uh, the next resource in our previous share outs, uh, specifically resources for transgender, genderqueer, non-binary, gender fluid, gender non-conforming, and every other non-cis identity within the trans umbrella, where you can apply for surgery funds, hormone replacement therapy funds, electrosis support fund, and free chest binders and free femme shapewear. Um, and that's pointofpride.org. Uh, I list the specific links in our blog. So if you need like the specifics in terms of each individual tagline within the URL, you can find it on our blog online, but uh, it's pointofpride.org if you wanted to just know it off of me talking to you. Um, there's also resources for housing, um, Trans Housing Coalition Fund. They have a GoFundMe where you can support funding for trans youth and adults in housing issues. Um, and there's also blackandpink.org that does this as well. Um, and that is honestly, it almost, I also have the PSEL on Classroom. Uh, we specifically linked this in our intersectional feminism section in our last episode, but this resource provides free reading material um, that it was one, it's just really helpful. There's lots of resources in there. There's lots of book recommendations, videos, etc. cetera. Um, but they do provide like free links to these resources. So as I said in the last episode, like if you have the means to financially compensate the authors listed, please do so. Um, if you don't, obviously learning is super important. So do what you gotta do. But if you have the means, don't just like take advantage of the free resource if you're able to provide funding to the people who worked really hard on creating these things. Um, and the last one I have on here is resources for healthcare professionals serving intersectional women and gender non-conforming communities. So if you're listening to this and you work in healthcare and you're like, hey, I wanna be better, I wanna make sure that I don't traumatize people who come to me, I care about all my patients, I am not a horrible human being. You can check out bipopwomenshealthcenter.com slash for professionals. Um, they have resources on how to do that within your workplace, uh, specifically in the healthcare industry. And that's all I got <laughs> for resources awesome. in life. I'm not <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a great, uh, it's such a complex, like, thing. Like, there's so many aspects to it. Sometimes you're just not, like, if you're not in that world, you don't think about what is needed. And I think the resource uh, dump that you have here really helps, like, put that into context of like, Oh, there's a lot of layers. <laughs> there's a lot of things <laughs> and there's a lot of resources because there's a lot of issues that we need to, um, support. So. Yeah. I try yeah. to make it a little bit of both. Like it was like, if you actually identify as this, you have resources that can help you, but if you don't, you can learn. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what I thought of in our like domestic violence research share out. It was just like, you don't know when this could be necessary or relevant to you. It does not hurt you to learn about something. It just yeah. makes you know more about the world. And while that will never prepare you for some things, because <laughs> sometimes no matter how much you prepare, you're like, ah, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't hurt to learn something that may make someone feel okay in the future and to have that happen. So even if you're mm-hmm. like, I don't know if this is relevant for me, maybe look and maybe it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, this film kind of inspires this idea that the future is not genderless, but it'll be different than the way yeah. that we experience it now. And so might as well just get used to the fact that it's different and that you're going to have to think different yeah. <laughs> to be able to do this. And so, like, there's just suddenly so many more LGBTQIA people. They're making it. It's like, no, actually, maybe the world has made it so unbelievably unsafe to exist authentically as yourself that no one up until this point felt safe enough telling you that that's who they were. And maybe that's Mm -hmm. why it didn't exist before for you. Um, But that doesn't mean it didn't exist. It's been here the whole time. But now people are more open about it because we're creating safer and or presumably are creating safer environments, trying to uh, create safer environments so that people can not like hate themselves their whole lives. Um, Mm -hmm. You know what I was thinking when you were going over some of those resources was remember people were really upset when the boy Scouts just became the scouts. And I think about that because it's like, what about the boy Scouts was gender specific, but it's stuff that anyone can learn and should learn. Like it's, so bizarre like what why are we so upset about that boys could also sell cookies like what are we doing (laughs) yeah and it's it's really it's really interesting the things that people get upset about and the ways in which it's really just influenced by indoctrination if you just really Mm -hmm. think about the from the second you were born even before you were born Gender is so obsessed with, gender is so harped on. You have gender reveal parties that light fires in California and literally just burn half the, like it's- And for what? Literally things for why. Um, people cool, are now we know the genitals. Yeah, like, like patriarchal society is just so obsessed it's with so weird, gender man. and like what it has to mean instead of just like, just existing as a human. Yeah. Um, even I was telling you earlier that like I for work was going through the CDC milestones for early childhood development and for no reason so much of it much of it was just like they just threw her or he in there when it sounded just so weird like it was grammatically incorrect or out of place and it was like you could have just put they like it would have changed nothing like if anything it's more accurate now because milestones are not specific to what genitals you have yeah (laughs) yeah matter you're a child developing your brain is doing stuff why do you why does it matter that you say he or she it was really weird it was really weird unless words you can say he or she by saying they yeah you can say both at the same time um it's more efficient (laughs) but yeah there's just like this obsession where everything has to be gendered or everything can't be feminine 
I think that's mm-hmm. also a super big piece. Yeah. I think my favorite story about gender and like how ridiculous people get is just that this one time my sister posted a picture of her dog who is a boy dog, um, but it was a little cold. So she put them in children's pajamas and the p- pajamas that she had happened to be pink. And this person commented, it was like on Facebook, it was like, you put girl pajamas on a boy dog? And I was like, I promise you that he does not care. <laughs> I promise you that dog has never thought about their gender, is not upset that they're in pink. Like, it does, like what are, yeah. what? Color isn't is even world? gendered. Like, How small is your world? It, it, it gets yeah. every time. It, it, it really, I was, I, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I do. I, sometimes I'll just like, you put girl pajamas on a boy dog. I think that's so funny because it's a dog. Like that, it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. I think about it all the time, and I'm like, wow, what a human that is. <laughs> that human yeah. exists and probably procreated. You know, like yeah. <laughs> okay, anything. Um, um (laughs) so uh what we will say is we highly recommend this film it is one of our favorites now right Mm -hmm. yes um which is i mean says a lot i I would say i do like this one more than raw raw was a little hard sometimes and uh made me very sad (laughs) not empowered in the least um very depressing but like i i thought it was a really great story and it was very unique um but uh yeah uh but this film great definitely worth all of the praise yeah. that it got i'm so glad that we watched it i'm so glad it's it's finishing out our as the patriarchy series so we can go forth and do another series and um have fun with that but um please let us know what you think if you've seen the film what your thoughts are um how you feel about gender fluidity uh if you like if that's your experience do these resources help those kinds of things and um yeah leave a message on our social medias uh, and just, you know, be, be cool. Be yeah. I'm late to the gender fluidity cool. game. So if you know more than me, please tell me. Yeah. We're <laughs> all brand new to this. So if any more experienced gender fluid humans or trans humans are like, Hey, I got, I got you. Here mm-hmm. are a bunch of resources. And I'll be like, thank you. Now I know. <laughs> Yeah, I am empowered. Yeah, yeah, sometimes the teacher wants to learn. And I will say, I was just, I just realized this, that um, the crew that watched this film are all um, slash they's. Oh. So it's, it's a little, like, we're all, we're all a little gender fluid, which I think is wonderful. Um, awesome. Well, <laughs> go on figuring out how to love yourself in, in the yeah. ways that you know and, and figuring out what, how you're supposed to be what you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to feel, what makes you feel good. Um, keep love and technology. Don't like make love to technology maybe, but you can still love it. Don't make, I don't know. Yeah. Like that was, a, I still can't figure out like the anatomy, like how, <laughs> of, of our... how, like, was it a gear shift? Is it emergency break? Is there like, what come, how, what is, I almost just said something very inappropriate. <laughs> say it. Oh my God, say it. Emergency break would not do anything. That thing is skinny. It's long, but it's skinny. It's not doing anything. You have like one of like one of the gear shifts that has like, it's like a ball at the end. That's okay. Sure. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's really All about. emergency breaks about... that I've seen in my life. I'm sure others exist. I'm, I'm not very familiar with cars. But the ones that I've witnessed are just long and skinny and would do nothing. All sizes, okay? It's about the motion of the automobile (laughs) and not the size of your emergency brake. (laughs) No, it isn't. Okay. It's length versus width. That's the problem. I'll say they seem to enjoy the, the fire car more than the fire truck. That's true. The fire truck seemed a little more aggressive. I, okay, so before we leave, if, if you were going to have sex with a car, what kind of car would you have sex with? Um, I want you to answer. <laughs> That's a good question. I'll tell you what, probably not a pickup. Probably not a pickup truck. It feel, feels a little, a little too conservative. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
too representative. Uh, and then um, I can think of a lot of cars I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that with. Um, yeah, but I, I will like say because I know more what no than what yes. Yeah, like not a a a white van without any windows. Probably not one of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably not yeah but I will my answer will be what I always answer for when people ask like what cars I like because I don't know the breeds of cars I don't know that I can't keep track of those but there's one car that I know and I can always identify it and it's because it's very specific handles and because it was in this full circle Uh fast and the furious Tokyo Drift was Nissan 350Z and it's the only car that I can identify and it's also really fast and they always look really cool and it can like maneuver and stuff and it's the only car I would ever be excited to have and also I'll just say that I'll just come around full circle I don't know what kind of car it'd be but I know it'd be a hybrid because it cares about the environment but also (laughs) would survive the apocalypse that's really good they'll put gas in it if you need to but it functions on electricity so it doesn't hurt the planet as bad. I love this. I love this yeah. for us. And <laughs> tell us, you, tell us. Tell what, us. What, what car, car you would have sex with. What vehicle. Yeah. It could be a plane. It could be a boat. It could be a yacht. It could be a cruise ship. Honestly, I'm really happy this is how we ended the episode. It's so much happier <laughs> than it could have been. Because um, my end was like, don't get married, they'll eat your kids, they never... Don't have them because the world is awful. Because <laughs> the um, world sucks. Yeah, yeah. Or if you so, if you're gonna, don't let them eat them. Let them be their best selves, and if be whoever they are. But I like how we ended it. If don't get married unless it's to a car, and if so, what car would that be? <laughs> Must tell us. Okay. Bye.